Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy Druids in cars going to festivals. All right, so our topic list is running dry of things we want to talk about, I think is a way to put that. So um, we we always have this request out for if there's stuff you want to hear about to please let us know. And And we reiterate that request right now. Send us an email at podcast at threegrains.org. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this one is a listener request, and it's got a little bit of an explanation up front, so I'm just going to read it. Y'all talk about experiences as priests, but what about way on the other end? Paganism often seems to come with homework and being one's own priest, developing one's own relationships with the spirits. Even the hearthkeeper's way leans in that direction. Is there a place in Druidry or in paganism generally for people who basically just want to show up to church? What does that look like? I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that both you and I agree on this one, and the answer is yes, there is totally a place to just show up, and it is a place where if you are comfortable doing that, you totally should. Yep. Close? Yeah. Okay. I, and, well, and I feel like, yes, there, there's our answer. Yes, there is a place for that, but um, people don't send us requests for yes, yes and no answer. answers. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, you, you mean this is like divination where we uh, we have to do more than just say yes or no to get any semblance of knowledge about the topic? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, starting from yes, where you can just show up and be there, um, part of that is I think one of the main goals of ADF Druidry, which is to provide that public temple worship. Yeah, and I think ADF Druidry specifically, as opposed to any other under the pagan umbrella, um, ADF Druidry was like really designed for people to just show up. It was, which makes it kind of interesting in that, I mean, the, the querent indicated, you know, it's kind of like religion with homework, and, and mm-hmm. it's well, what and it we is. do have that line because the other thing that ADF is, of course, known for is our study programs. Yep, all that scholarshipy stuff. And so there's there is that dual line of we want to be a place where someone can just show up, but also for the people who want to be more involved, like there is work to it, and we we do this homework. But I think in the context of just showing up to church, it's you are relying on that framework of ADF Druidry for the people leading the right to have done their homework. But you don't necessarily have to. Yeah, and I mean, everybody kind of starts out doing that. They show up. You know, they, most people don't 
come into a, a religious service and, and think, oh, how can I advance my religious study <laughs> and maybe one day become a priest or maybe one day become an initiate or do all this magic stuff on my own? Most people, I mean, even myself included, and I've, I've had this notion of wanting to kind of run ritual for quite a while. Um, but when I started going to ritual, it was nice to have someone else do the work for me and to just experience the work. Yeah, it's interesting to me. So, like, I like most pagans, I think, um, at least of our age, maybe not so much with people just coming into it now, but pre-internet, I came into paganism as a solitary, having to do my own thing, having to do my homework, um, so that I could do the thing that I wanted to do. Um, and so I think there is a little bit, um, in our, in our like pagan culture, right. Of, well, I had to do all my own homework and all my own learning on this. And so you should have to too. And I think that is one of like the key things that we have to push against as religious leaders. I had to go through a gate, so I'm going to build a gate for you to go through, too. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we don't like that. Um, at least not in this car, we don't like that. It's <laughs> true. Uh, there, are, there are people out there who really like that, who, who, who think that, you know, the only kind of spirituality that there is is the kind that is hard won, is the kind that you work for, is the kind that you, you know, pour all of your blood, sweat, and tears into, but... I'll be honest, that's just not for me. So it's interesting, having done some of this um, chaplaincy work with college students at the local university I'm at, um, one of the phrases they use in that program is, because it's a, a chaplaincy area, right, so it's very interfaith, and the service to all the students, and it's this idea that spirituality, like they don't even call it religion at this point, yeah. right, spirituality is helping students make meaning of their life's experiences and show up in a brave place. Yeah. And it's that, like, I really like the terminology they use with showing up in a brave place because that, that allows you to really experience things that can be troubling or hard but gives you, you have the support to make that happen. Right. And... One of the other interesting things about it is it's not always just support. Sometimes it's tools. Yeah. And I think that there is a not insignificant quality of tool that you get just by showing up, just by being there, um, experiencing religion with others, because religion is a communal experience in many ways gives you support and community and the connection that you need to find that safety, that bravery within yourself mm -hmm. to work your way through the world and I think that's a, a key thing with, with religion and with the work and so even if all you're doing is showing up, you're doing something that has value. Yeah, and I think I think the, the big thing there is that it's by showing up, by just showing up to a religious service, um, you are allowing, you are giving yourself the tools to show up for yourself throughout your life. Yeah. 
um, which I think is really important. I, I do think one of the failings of paganism generally, um, that the monotheistic religions have a leg up on us on, is the expectation of more regular religious service. Because if you are just showing up to someone else's rites, um, and again, your mileage might, may vary, but if I only showed up to our monthly rites, that would not be enough consistency for me personally yeah. to get out of just showing up um, that, I, that I need. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what I hear you saying is that you need your personal devotional practice to support that. I do, or... Um, so, for example, Cedar Light Grove huh? has, partly by virtue of them owning a space and laws for their state, they provide a service every Sunday. Yep. Um, and I think communities that can do that provide a service where you can just show up once a week it allows you to have the consistency that if all you want to do is come to that right, you will get possibly enough meaning out of it to feel fulfilled by showing up. Yeah. Well, there, there is a lot to be said for regularity of practice. Oh, that's what I mean, and, yeah. you know, that's what you're getting out of that, is regularity of practice. And that is, a, that is its own form of discipline. You know, I don't think that that's something that we should sneeze at. It's it's something that is legitimate and it is religious work. It's oh yeah, showing up and no, I'm not. Being, <laughs> right? Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that it's. I don't. I'm agreeing. Easy. With you. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I <laughs> but yeah, I think that's so. So when you say that, that's what I immediately go to is I'm like, that's a discipline. That's work. That is someone putting forth an effort. And I think that is worth recognizing. Right, but so the, the the person who sent in this question is where is there a place for this in paganism, right? Like where is there a place for someone who just wants to show up to church? And I guess one of my answers for it is we have to start providing more church. We do. Um, in the early days of the Grove, we actually did every Sunday morning. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, we, we'd meet at my house, actually. We'd sit up back, and we would do... Usually a really bare bones kind of religiousy thing, yeah. but mostly it was sitting around talking, um, and that was that was a fulfilling part of, of what we did early in the days of the Grove. But it wasn't sustainable in our situation of not having our own, not my house place to do that. <laughs> right. So it kind of fell by the wayside, and frankly, rightly so. Um, but. Yes, if we can find ways to do regular things, that helps. I mean, at the shop, we do that. We do a ritual every Sunday, and it's drop-in. So you show up, you do your ritual um, with usually Seamus or sometimes Forrest, or there, there's a number of people who might need that right. This is the weekly blessing, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it doesn't last long. It lasts, you know... 15 to 30 minutes at the most usually um, it's done right on the sales floor which is funny in its own way uh, but the it does build community and it brings people in and you know, they, they may not buy something but we're not doing it for that either um, it's just nice to have a place to go 
And so, yeah, there are spaces that can manage that. Most of them are things like a retail or a church space like Cedarlight has. Um, I don't know if they do it up in Tradara. I don't think that they do, but they've got the space in the area for it. And that's something that they could do if, uh, uh, if it fit their need. So there are, there are spaces that can do it. Whether they do it or not, I don't know if every, I don't know if any other store actually does that on a, off the top of my head. Um, but that's the kind of thing that I do think we need more of. We need more space for that. I think you're right. Yeah, because I think it, not only can it be overwhelming to try and step into a new religious tradition, like not only A, is that overwhelming, and then to also have the expectation going into it that you will do it yourself um, is enough to put a lot of people, you know, off of really trying to dive into that because it is very intimidating. Um, and... <laughs> and and so the ways that we can kind of help that I think are by providing that more regular service and again it's not going to work for every community um, I mean I don't even know if it would work for our Grove community yeah. to do more regularly I just don't know um, which kind of begs the question of if one person shows up every week, is that enough to keep doing it? I mean, I think that depends on where you sit on the spectrum. As priests, I think the answer is yes. Um, as laity, I'm not sure that is the answer. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say. Because there is certainly an amount of fatigue that sets in if mm -hmm. nobody shows up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure. One of the things, though, that I think is worth mentioning is that sometimes I just like to show up. Like, it doesn't happen very often. Most of the time I get a part assigned. I've got something to do. I mean, between you and me, it's our stated responsibility to run this grove yep. and make sure the rituals happen. But every so often, probably about... Once every other year, I get a high day, right, where I don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. And I just get to show up, and uh, we don't have pews, so I don't sit in the pews, but to, I, I get to show up and just kind of soak it up. Yeah, I mean, you t when you typically do that, the couple of times I've seen it is, you know, you still put your stole on and stuff, but you stand in the back, and yep. you just are part of the happenings. Yep. Um, I know I've attend occasionally attended other Grove rites. Um, I haven't done it since COVID, but like I used to occasionally go up to Stone Creed just so that I could go to a, a ritual that I had no part in planning, was not expected to do anything. Um, and it's really nice. Like, I wouldn't want to do it all the time because that's not... It's not who we are. That's not who I am. Yeah. But it's really nice occasionally. Yeah, and for some people, I really think... That is who they are, and they don't want to stand up there and speak in front of people. That's a big hump for a lot of folks. Okay. Um, they don't necessarily want to delve into the, the myth and the lore. They just kind of want to be there. They want to experience that community. Okay. And 
we, we have sometimes talked about how it is our job as priests that to make space for new priests and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's also our job to ensure that our ritual is accessible and available to people who really just want to show up. Yeah. Um, I think we need to make that space. I think it's incumbent upon us. Um, I don't think it's wrong for us to occasionally say, hey, would you like to to do this? Because some people wait for an invitation. Right. You know? But we shouldn't be pushy about it. We should just be open, I think, to that sort of thing. Um, so if you do ever hear us saying, hey, you want a part? It's, <laughs> we're, not, we're not trying to push you into it. We just don't want you to feel like, you know, and, you can't do it. And you're totally welcome to say, mm, I'm good. Yep. <laughs> totally fine. That doesn't bother us a bit. Yeah. I, what do you think about, um, in, in the, you're attending your regular religious service, um, within ADF and our order of ritual, you know, we have the, the way that things happen. We, we make offerings, we take an omen, we receive blessings, like kind of that kind of thing. Do you think, um, if we were to get more people who just wanted to show up, let's say once a week, um, do you think it would be beneficial or wanted or needed to, um, have some sort of like sermon where we talk about seasonal issues or social justice issues issues or uh, virtues or or whatever like is there do you think there's a space in our rituals for I guess a space and a desire for that kind of like we're going to talk to help you try and apply lessons to your life kind of thing I think there's probably a space for that. Um, I I don't think that there's a space for preachy sermonizing. And I I will say what I have often said, which is, you know, don't pray at somebody or don't don't say a prayer that is directed at an individual. (laughs) One person when you're talking to a whole group. Yep. Yeah. um, (laughs) Because that's a trap that a lot of mainstream churches fall into, you know. Someone in the congregation has done something morally abhorrent, and so the whole sermon becomes about them. That's something you definitely want to avoid. But um, the only exceptions to that are things like a baby has been born, and everything's <laughs> about the baby, or, you know, but a even couple then, married. But even then, that's like a separate working within the... Yeah, but... Generally speaking, yeah. don't pray at people. Um, but I think that there could be space for that. I think that I would rework our order of ritual a little bit. I mean, we did that with the Druid Moons. Mm-hmm. The Druid Moons have a different flow and a different set of sections. Um, it's still recognizably ADF, but it's different than our usual stuff. And if you're curious or interested about that, the Crane Breviary and Guidebook... The CBGB. Uh, CBGB. Uh, <laughs> is, uh, is our script for that. And so you can seek that out and 
you know, Lulu or MagicalDrew.com or whatever you want. Um, I don't think it's on Amazon at the moment because it's spiral bound, so you can fold it, lay it flat. Uh, but that that process of building that was very much. I was looking at it. And I was like, you know, I want something different. I want something I can fit different things into. And so I, I built something different. So I feel like you just gave me permission to make it happen. Um, because I, yeah. okay, so <laughs> I really like, and I also want a different word for it, but I really like sermons in ritual, um, where, so like I've attended several of Mountain Ancestor Grove rites, and they do, um, for their high days, a seasonal reflection that's kind of talking about, um, you know, the way that nature progresses and the way it's reflected in our lives and the, the kind of the lessons we can take from from the cycle of growing things and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's not preachy. It's not any of that. It's a piece that's meant to give people stuff to think about. Yeah. Right? And so, like, I, I really like that in a ritual structure but I've struggled with the same thing that you were just talking about, that it doesn't, it doesn't really fit in our core order the way that it's written. Yeah. Um, the, the obvious place for it is either in the omens. Which I've done, I've tried, and it's hard. It's extemporaneous is the problem. It, that's the problem that I've run into when I've done it, is that it's hard. Cause yeah. It's because it's off the cuff. You don't know what, what you're going to end up with in the omens, you know, ideally. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't stacked the omens. Um... But you don't know what you're going to end up with, so you have to extemporize your sermony, whatever word we're going to use for that, your, your sermon uh, phrasing and your wording and all that. Um, the other place would possibly be with the waters, would be a good spot to put it. The problem with putting it with the waters is that it then implies conditional acceptance of waters if these waters represent right. whatever it might be or something like that. So playing around with that, and it may just be a whole new section. So you know what just occurred to me that's really funny? Yeah. My least favorite part of the, uh, when I'm writing a ritual, my least favorite part to do is the statement of purpose, which is essentially what in my brain becomes this sermon, right? Because it's the reflection on why are we doing this? What is yep. happening right now? I wasn't going to say that. I'm really, I just, it just <laughs> occurred to me and I'm really amused by it now. And I wonder if the reason I hate the statement of purpose so much and writing that is because I'm like, literally all this is, is a statement. Why am I saying this? As opposed to actually doing what I feel like I need to do, which is reflect on it and make it a bigger chunk. But I don't want to stack that whole big chunk right at the beginning. Hey, it's time for scouts. Hey, look at that. We're going to do scouts tonight. <laughs> no, I, I understand that. It would be an awkward place to stick a long piece. A long piece, yeah. So, but maybe what we need to do is we need to weave that piece through the right. Maybe it's not you get it all out in one go. Yeah. Maybe it's you set up your uh, your sermon with your purpose and precedent. This is why we're here. Then you get to the gate opening and your gate opening talks about you know, the unwinding of things that have happened and 
the resetting of them into the right place, and then each of your kindred evocations call out to the, the spirits of a particular experience um, and sort of draw that all together, and then you can take your omens, extemporize a small piece, finish it out with the waters. Maybe. Maybe. So the problem... So I, I like that. The problem I have with it is that we then are moving from people just want to show up and so we're going to do this uh-huh. to if we did something like that, that then removes the ability for people to help write the script because it would be so piecemeal that you couldn't make it happen. Yes. Which is how we currently do things because right now there are a good number of our, our Grove members who find fulfillment in helping prepare the scripts. Yep. Um, and so we're, we're meeting that need right now. Yep. I'm not suggesting it's a perfect solution. <laughs> Just that it's a possible. It's, it's a possible solution. And, <laughs> and I agree. But I also think that you might be able to achieve it with a more top-down liturgical approach of getting everyone on the same page. Yeah. And then once they're all on the same page and they kind of know the thread, give them an outline maybe. Uh-huh then sort of set them loose and see where you end up. And then you can revise, and I'm speaking to the English teacher in you here. <laughs> um, you can work together and, and really kind of brainstorm a, a, a co- final Like a cohesive piece. Yeah, that'll take you like three weeks. <laughs> but <laughs> it's an option. And everyone's got to turn in their papers at the right time. That is always the problem. Your yes. group work is the worst. <laughs> yes, it is. And yet we do it all the time. I know. <laughs> so, but yes, I think that there are places for people who just want to show up. I think that there are things we could do better yeah. to provide them that space. And I am totally open to suggestions about how to get better and how to provide that space. Um, but, how would you suggest yeah. a... So we are a large grove and very able to absorb people who just show up to a ritual because we average between, I don't know, let's say 30 and 60 yeah, roughly. people at our rights, um, most of whom are high day only attendees. Yep. And right? there's not enough parts to any way to pass out to everybody. Right. So how do you suggest a grove that is, say, three to ten people? Um Three to ten people showing up, or three to ten people... uh... Their high-day rituals involve about three to ten people showing up. Let's say three to twenty, whatever. Um, They... And they have people who just want to show up to their rituals. How can they be welcoming of that? Because what you run into is, if you've only got that many people, you are trying to give everybody a job. Yep. So... There are a variety of different options for how you run ritual, and they can actually, they can be, you can do it with as many or as few people as you need to, obviously. You can run the whole rite with one person. I know protogroves that do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just really what you do. Um, you can't force people to take parts. Um, you, can, you can do what I suggested earlier, which is, Offer a part, but respect them when they say no. Um, But I think really the best advice is to listen to the people who show up. 
ask them what they want to do, if they want to do anything. Um, if they're not comfortable doing something, that's a different response than I don't want to do anything. And recognizing that difference, I think, is important. So learn how to recognize that difference um, and just accept the fact that if everyone just wants to show up and you're only a Grove organizer or a group of three people and you've got ten people showing up who just want to show up, um, at that point you may really need to evaluate whether or not you can provide that service. Uh, because maybe you can't. Mm -hmm. it's, it's entirely possible that your community just isn't built for a growth. And I don't want that to sound like, you know, you should just give up. Because you shouldn't. But sometimes we need to, to understand that not every piece of ground is fertile. Not every place is ready for the seed to sprout. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just not yet. And that's okay. You can always try again in a few years. You can always, you know, see what, what happens uh, down the road. But sometimes it's, it's not ready. And that's okay, too. What do you think? I mean, I would agree with that. I think the big part is, we talked about it a little bit in uh, a recent past episode of burnout and setting boundaries for yourself as a leader. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to that. So I would say, yes, there's definitely place for someone to just show up to ritual um, if that's all they want to do. But that like all things in our religion, it's, it's reciprocity, right? Reciprocity so, balance, yeah. so like you as a, as a Grove organizer may have people who just want to show up and need to respect that. But you as someone who just wants to show up may need to respect that the Grove organizer can't commit to X number, whatever amount you're expecting of rights. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's a key point is that, yes, there's space to just show up and there will always be space just to show up. But if all you do is just show up, sometimes what you want to show up to doesn't continue existing. Mm -hmm. So you've got to find that balance within yourself as well. Mm -hmm. Um, whether you're the leader or the person who's just shown up, you've got to find the balance that makes you comfortable and that keeps what you're doing working. And I will say that explicit and clear communication is the best way to handle all those situations. It totally is. <laughs> it really, really is. Because <laughs> the Grove organizers may be like, nobody cares, no one wants to contribute, and the, the person showing up will be like, this is the highlight of my my month or whatever, and, and without that clear communication, there's things just won't go the way you want them to. Yeah. And I think that if you say that, if, if you as the person who just wants to show up, if you say that to the Grove organizer, who's just the one person doing the right, <laughs> you're going to make their day. You're going to make their week. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Because they're going to be like, wait, what I'm doing has value? I didn't mm -hmm. even know it had value. Right. And I think that's something that often gets lost. is just that notion that, yes this work that I'm doing is valuable and yeah. So don't, don't sit on your hands and not say anything. Yeah. Be effusive in your praise. Show up, enjoy it and tell them you enjoy it. I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, because we don't read minds. 
as much as we would like to or, I don't or actually not, want I don't to because really that seems like a whole kettle of fish I don't it, need. It but does. But <laughs> yeah, just being able to, to say, oh, this person likes what I do, it's worth doing. Mm-hmm. Um, because from our perspective as priests, and again, I'm going to speak for you here, um, it, if even one person finds value in the work that I have provided, then what I have done is worth it. So I'm always pleasantly surprised when someone reaches out and says, hey, I got your Dedicant Path of the Wheel of the Year book, mm-hmm. and it really helped me get through it, um, or I'm really enjoying it, and even if they don't get through it, I, you know. But just they send you that, that it, and it gives you enough energy to do, like, ten more things. Yeah. Ten more things. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating it's a potent how drug. much a little bit of <laughs> appreciation can improve the process for someone. Yeah. So I think that's our real takeaway is find that balance, find that appreciation, and offer it. Yeah. Because it has value. Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something you would like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsandcars at threecranes.org. If you'd like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids and Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Our theme song's lyrics were written by Arthur Shipkowski, and the music is written and recorded by Mike Viershank. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org, and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes, and let us pray with a good fire.